0: inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart.
1: Hello and welcome to Reflections from the Heart. My name is Rob Longo with Stewardship and Mission of Faith, and I'm joined today by uh, three of my brothers from Stewardship and Mission of Faith, Tom DeAngelis, Don Gleichman, and Tom Terrace. How you guys doing? Great, Robbie. Thank you. Uh, so good to be here to, uh, to share, share this time together. For those of you who have been with us before, welcome back. For those of you who are new to Reflections from the Heart, it's a gospel reflection. And what is a gospel reflection? It's very simple. You break open the gospel that we will be hearing this coming Sunday, and, uh, and we read the gospel and just see what the Holy Spirit uh, moves in our hearts. Uh, and the question that is usually asked is, Lord, what are you saying to me through this reading? Lord, where do you want me to change? Because I think it's kind of easy to pick up where everybody else needs to change. But God, where do you need me to change? Um, so if you're uh, in a spot where you can grab a Bible, you know, if you're if you're not driving, uh, it's Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Matthew 5, verses 1 to 12. But before we read the gospel, Tom, if you could open us up with a prayer.
2: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your spirit upon us today as we break open your word, help, us, help it to speak to our hearts. And especially um, we ask you to bless this ministry that, of stewardship and all of our ministries, in particular as we look forward next week to um, Catholic Schools Week, that you keep all of our Catholic schools in your heart, close to your heart, and especially the students. And we ask all of this in the name of your Son, Jesus, and that it be brought to completion in you. Amen.
3: Amen.
1: Amen. Father, and Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit, spirit. Amen. amen. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm. And the other Tom, Tom <laughs> Terrace, if you could uh, read the gospel for us.
4: Sure. Um, again, it's Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he had sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. The gospel of the Lord.
3: Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I look around sometimes at footnotes in my Bible and I note that uh, the words are very important. And I remember I remember I think about this beatitudes Sometimes, because it it really is a description of Jesus Christ. If you are those things that he mentions, if you are poor of spirit, if you if yours is the kingdom of heaven, if you mourn, those things sort of describe Jesus Christ. And then I I noticed that the um, inauguration speech, as the inauguration of the president this last week, the second pastor who was a Protestant pastor read this this passage, but he didn't read it the way it's written here. He said. God blesses those who are poor in spirit. God blesses those who are who mourn. God blesses those who are meek. And I thought, there's a difference there. There really is. Hmm. If you're blessed, in a way, that sort of means that you have God within you instead of having God bless you. I don't know if I'm picking too much at that. Some of the words I looked at, poor in spirit, what does that mean? One version of the Bible said it means humility. Another said it meant detachment or freedom from the need of having things. Meek meant dependent upon God's understanding. Merciful meant we would respond the way God responds and we'd be satisfied. Clean of spirit would mean we have the capacity for truth. We don't have preconceived notions. We're open to him. And I think if we just spend some time individually, instead of just accepting the words I give you, just go through and think about each of those phrases and what they mean to you, you find out that they have a, a much deeper meaning than at first it appears.
1: It's interesting, Don, you, you, you touched on something that um, that was, really was brought to light this past week. And you, you hear the Beatitudes all the time. And this past week, we were at one of the schools, and we were with, uh, I think, seventh and eighth graders. um and we were preparing for, for, the, for the day with them. And the Holy Spirit just led us to writing the second half, everything to the right of the mm-hmm. comma mm-hmm. in each of the Beatitudes. We just wrote them out on the board. So we wrote out, we wrote out, um, uh, there is the kingdom of heaven, for they will be comforted, for they will inherit the land, uh, they will be satisfied, They'll be shown mercy they will see God they will be called children of God um, kingdom of heaven again right so we wrote the everything to the right of the comma and then we're talking to the to the young men and women in the room and we just went down one by one and said who would like to um, who would like to go to heaven. You know, who would like to experience the kingdom of heaven? Everybody raised their hands. And then we just went down one by one. Who would like to be called a child of God? Who would like to see God? Not today. We're not signing up for, for you today. Right? <laughs> but everybody raised their hand for everything to the right of the comma. And they said, all right, great. So we're all on the same page. Everybody wants this. So what does that mean for us? And then we started filling in everything to the left of the comma. And that's what we have to bring to the table, right? That's you know, so when we say yes and we're and we're trying to live our faith, well we have to be poor in spirit, right? That that you know, we have to trust in God and everything. So we went one by one on what's, you know, to the left of the comma, which is our part of the Beatitude, and then how God blesses us, Don, is, you know, to the to the right.
3: And the way of you're talking comma. about it makes God not so much a Santa Claus who grants your wishes, but a vending machine. If you do what he wants you to do, he will give you this. And if that benefit is so big that you're willing to pay the price, wow. It's always a much bigger benefit than what he's asking you to do.
1: Yeah, and, and, and his love is, is there for everyone, right? So when God sets this up, even the commandments, the best homily I heard on the commandments was when the priest said, do you want to live a, a full, happy, joyful, peaceful life? Well, then put God first. Right? Mm-hmm. Love him above all things. Then he went down. Do you want that? Like he just put it in the blessing that God wants to give us. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "All right, well, honor your father and your mother." He just went down one by one, talking about how much God loves us and and what He wants to give us, uh, and and the fruit of obedience is, is a life of peace and joy. And uh, so God, God's not holding out on us.
3: Yeah. The reason this is called the Beatitudes is because "blessed" in Latin comes from "beat,"o which means blessed, beato. So, if you want to be blessed, it's it's it is a blessing to be. It's a blessing to be happy. It's a blessing to be peaceful.
4: And this reading, the word that struck out was teach. And I know Tom mm. mentioned Teachers Week. I think yeah, next oh, coming. Oh yeah, Catholic up. Schools Week. And next then week, Rob yeah. mentioned schools. So when I say the word teach, it's like all right, um, you know, I'm going to learn something. What are you trying to teach me? In this, you know, so Jesus is going to teach them. And to me, it's like he's this whole passage. He's teaching you how to get to heaven, how to be a Christian, you know. And I'm thinking a lot in my life is like I'm into this thing of minimalism, like not needing a whole bunch of stuff, you know, trying to pare away a lot of stuff that I don't use It's just collecting dust or whatever. So, you know, just trying to get to the essentials. And so, you know, we can clutter up our whole bookcases with thousands of books on Christianity mm-hmm. and how to be a good Christian. But it seems to me like, you know, it's all right here. You know, you just yeah. do this and, yeah. you know, you'll gain, you'll inherit the kingdom. And...
2: Well, you know, Tom, mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm guilty of Cluttering up my life with books, <laughs> uh, uh, mostly you know spiritual Not books. Not that it's bad. But, yeah, but no, no, you know. I, I understand. I, I didn't take it that way, but but I think one of the things that I've discovered is is I I need to work that hard to understand this mm-hmm. as simply as you're saying that we can understand it. Uh, earlier in the week, we had a group that was. Uh, was reflecting on this gospel and it was was really interesting because once we all got on the same page about what there were people who weren't what does poor in spirit mean what is what what do you mean by meek you know so we we talked about that once we all got on the same page one of the things that kind of jumped out at me was you know we we look at this as like if you're poor in spirit then you will get the kingdom of heaven if you're if you mourn then you will be comforted and i think one of the things that occurred to me and i shared with the group was i think when i think you get it in the experience so when you're poor in spirit you will be in the kingdom of heaven mm. on earth you know uh, and so when you when you mourn comfort is already built into that. There's a comforting sense about being concerned about other people, about mourning for somebody who's close to you, or just mourning for the fact that the world is, you know, there's sinners in the world that are going to, that aren't going to be saved, you know, that we already know that. But just to having a sense of caring about other people at that level. But then, and then we talked about meekness, you know, one of the, one of the guys said, well, I don't think meekness is anything to you know, is much of a virtue. And then we talked about, it, and basically what we came up with was being meek isn't being um, helpless or uh, timid. It's being restrained. You know, it's having the power to do something but saying this isn't the appropriate time to use it, you know, because there's obvious – there are many references in the Old Testament about, the, you know, the people, the the enemies of the of good people taking over their land, being – taking things by violence, getting rich by violence, and that eventually that, that ends up in a bad situation. So they end up killing each other off and the meek inherit the land, literally inherit the land because the powerful have – have, you know, who have been unjust have kind of canceled each other out. So this is really kind of holding back. Don't get in the fight. Maybe, maybe you could be taking land too. Maybe you could be, you know, wrestling with people and taking over their property. Even the strong people, you may be the biggest and the baddest, but that doesn't mean, you know, meekness is holding back on that. So again, in that meekness, we have that sense of, you know, there's a, there's a worth to it. There's where I am is good enough. Where I am is what I need, what I have. So, you know, in each one of those, you can go, kind of go down that. And that's what we did. You know, in a sense, when you are real truly clear, clean of heart, pure of heart, there's a ability to see something about God in your life today. And in the life of other people that other people can't see who don't have that cleanliness of heart. So, the, it's not. It's not so much like you do this, and then when you die, you'll get all these things. It's more like we get a taste of it in the actual practice of that virtue, in the actual practice of that beatitude. So. And when um, you mention
4: meek, I, I, was, I just picked up a book. I just started it. Uh, I think it's called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Oh and yeah. He talks about uh, one of the CEOs for this corporation. I think it was a paper company or something, and he turned it all around. And, you know, you would think that he would be this charismatic, dynamic person, but apparently he's really humble, quiet, meek, yeah. you know, and then I read somewhere else where a lot of these High-level executive-type guys who run like big corporations. A lot of them are this, of the same character, this meekness that you would you wouldn't think would you know, when you picture someone like that. So mm-hmm. I think it is um, undervalued
1: that. That meekness yeah. in today's world, you know. Yeah, because the, the world defines it as, kind of, yeah. as you're saying, weakness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but look at Jesus, you know, when he was yeah. being persecuted and punched and slapped and spit upon and beard plucked and yeah. know, everybody, it would, did he, he knew it, who he was.
2: And he, and that, he, that even came up. I mean, he could have called down oh. fire or angels or whatever. Yeah. He's the meekest. So when he referred to himself as meek, he's not only meek, he's the meekest of all men because he could have, I mean, he's he ra- rose, raised people from the dead. He could have easily have gotten himself out of that situation and destroyed everybody that was, you know, that was uh, inflicting on. So anyway, I, I, I apologize for interrupting, but that that came up. It was really exciting yeah. that we kind of saw the meekness of Jesus yeah. because of the power, not because he was helpless, not because he was timid, because he was. He knew what he who he was. Yeah,
1: total total, total confidence in who who you are and who yeah. you are. And uh, I think a Carson Wentz, uh, the quarterback from the Eagles, has a tattoo: A O one. The letter A and then O and then one, and it stands for audience of one. Right, and that's that's me. Like they, they, it doesn't matter what the crowd say. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your friends are doing. It doesn't matter what they're trying to get you to do to be part of the group. It doesn't matter. Right, mm-hmm. it's an audience of one. All right, our, our our Lord, that everything we do, whether it's in front of people, he's our audience. Or if we're by ourselves, he's our audience, audience of one. Mm-hmm. All right, that we're so confident in who we are and whose we are that we, uh, yeah. we, we embrace
3: that. yeah. We had a That Man Is You year two session the other day. And it was one of the most negative things I've ever attended in my life because it was it dwelt on the history of the United States during the last 125 years. And it has been so devastatingly bad. Uh, at my age, it gets to the point where I'm really become beginning to see a lot of divergence between good and evil. Evil is so obvious to me anymore. It used to be that things were different shades of gray I don't see any grays anymore <laughs> people are people are identifying themselves they're they're for life or they're against life and I'm not it's not just that one topic, but several ways and I was thinking how negative I was, how negative it was. I do think that this last call, blessed are those uh, blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think we are. We're not too far away from the possibility of facing that persecution for our beliefs, and the question is, will we? Mm-hmm. And this, uh, this blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for this is theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That is a promise that follows a choice. We have to make the choice to do that. That's not something that just sort of happens. Mm-hmm. It's not like meekness or humbleness. It doesn't just happen. This is a choice.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 what are we hungering I just circled the word righteousness, Don, as you're sharing, because earlier uh-huh. it says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I just think in my life, man, there are so many things that I was hungry for and thirsty for that I thought was gonna satisfy me, right? So the the gift from God is for they will be satisfied, right? So when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, then you will be satisfied. And I just think of of my journey and hungering and thirsting for you know, for girls, or for the next party, or you know, drinking, or gambling, or or sports, or you know, getting a job, or getting a promotion, or getting the next bonus, or getting whatever. Right? I was hunger, hunger. I was hungry and thirsty for all those things that I thought were going to satisfy me. But once I got what I thought was going to satisfy me, I wanted more of that, or or yeah. something else. And then my, our Lord just, when He came into my life, and you know, he, he reordered and purified my intentions, redirected my desires for him, and especially him in the Eucharist, that, you know, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. You know, whether the material stuff comes or not, I'm, I'm fully satisfied. Thank you, Jesus.
3: If any focus of our life becomes an obsession, it becomes an addiction becomes an obsession it becomes an addiction so we almost have to choose what things we want to have addict us do we want to thirst and hunger for god do we want to hunger and thirst for his word and to be close to him or do we want hunger want to hunger and thirst for those things that we find don't satisfy us well sometimes those of us like you and i have to go through that process of saying i don't want that stuff i got that and it isn't there for those who haven't Done that yet, and have accomplished those things? Let me tell you, don't waste your effort.
1: <laughs> go after Amen. God, yeah. please, please.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure all of us at one level or another have been caught up in things that we thought were going to get us where we wanted to go, and then found out that, uh, that they didn't. But, but more importantly, I think, and and this is a stage of awareness that I think a lot of people are they're on the short side of right now is that there is a there is a slavery I mean this is traditional in the, in the history of the church there is a slavery with these things that we call sins you know and we make a big theological you know to do about sin but basically the you know the the Old Testament definition of that is just we miss the mark we're aiming for God and we hit something else you know we're aiming for something we weren't sure what it was something good the ultimate goodness will come when I have enough money. And we missed the mark. It was, we're just off course. But the fact of the matter is, we get off course and we start pursuing it. And, you know, to to both of your points, when we get some of that, we want more. And then we want more and we want more and we want more. And over a period of time, we should wake up. We should come to a recognition that we're not being satisfied. The more we get, the hungrier we are. And that we can't, kind of, can't get out of it now. You know, like to to stop this now is like, you're like locked into this mindset of if i get if i just get more i'll get i'll be it'll be that'll be it if i just get more that'll be it and there's this kind of slavery and that's historically you can read that right in the right in the catholic catechism about the slavery of mortal sin it mm-hmm. takes you right down that path to where you stop even seeing that there's anything wrong with it you don't even realize that you're caught up in this you know in this in this missing the mark you know i keep aiming at this thing and i keep thinking i'm hitting it and it's not I hit something, but it wasn't what I was aiming for or what I, my heart's really longing for. You know, my heart wants this, and I keep thinking this is the thing, but it's not, and we get addicted to that. So it's, it's a slavery of sin historically, yeah. Tom,
1: you really um, you really made sense for me, uh, a meeting that I had this week, an encounter I had this week with uh, a, a biker. Uh, you, know, Harley, you know, a motorcycle—he's in, he's in a motorcycle <laughs> a motorcycle yeah. gang, but a gang for Jesus. Mm. So there's this group of bikers that started a ministry, um, Triple triple, tri- triple Tree—I forget what the name of the ministry is. But they go to biker bars. They go, they go where the bikers are going, where the gangs are hanging out. And these guys are all—they look the part. They were on that side of the tracks at one point in time, but now they're going back. Where they came Mm -hmm. from with the light of of Christ. And he was sharing about that. I was like, wow, that is so cool. And if you think about missing the mark, you know, being involved with a group is good. Being involved in a community is good, Mm -hmm. right? Having a brotherhood and and a, a connection with people is good. But if it's, you know, if it's done in the context of, of a gang yeah, that's you know,
2: unlimited sex yeah. drugs and rock yeah. and roll. Yeah. Not so good, right? So <laughs> yeah, they missed right. So they miss the <laughs> right, mark. Right. Right.
1: right? Yeah. And then these guys are presenting that same like the good side of that. Like it's okay, we still ride our bikes, we still ride our motorcycles, we still get together. We still stop we st- at a bar. We still hang out. Yeah. You know, like we still have this brotherhood. Yeah. But now it's centered on on Christ. So I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. And and you know, when you talked about missing the mark. Same with Crucio, Don, I know you, you're involved with Crucio, right? right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the, the story of how it started was um, whatever country it was, the, the bishop noticed the men just dropping their families off at Mass, and they would just congregate outside and talk about sports and business and whatever. And, and the bishop saw, well, that's good that the guys want to get together and congregate. Not so good that they're doing it instead of going to Mass. But if we can just change the conversation to things of our Lord, then they're doing what they're comfortable doing, gathering and hanging out but just changing mm-hmm. the conversation is that is that
3: that's right it was in majorca it was a little over 100 years ago and okay. and that was exactly the same thing same reason that a lot of things are starting right now in the church too it's always the men it got it falls down on the men it's mm-hmm. our responsibility to shepherd and nourish and mentor our children our families our neighborhoods our workplaces there mm-hmm. was there was a very important part of this of this reading that struck me after i'd read it a couple of times, and it was the first, the first sentence or two, because Jesus was not speaking to the crowds. He was speaking right. to his disciples. Mm-hmm. He went up the mountain, and he sat down like a rabbi, and he spoke to his disciples, not to the crowds. So it wasn't like a Charlton Heston movie, or, or whatever. It wasn't yeah. like a movie that we see about Jesus talking to the crowds. It was him talking to his disciples. I think it was probably better understood by them later on, because they had time to reflect on it and put it into place. Yeah. Whereas crowds tend to deal with sound bites, and it's in one ear and out the other. And
4: you know what you guys were talking about earlier, like the bikers, and um, mm-hmm. you know how God can write straight line. Mm-hmm. What does it make crooked lines straight? So he writes straight with crooked. lines. Yeah, crooked so he could lines, take yeah. maybe the bad stuff you were doing, where you gained all these skills, and then can still use those skills yeah. for. Sure. <laughs> for his mission, you yeah. know. Same with the disciples. I mean, these are probably like a bunch of ragtag guys, you know, and then with a lot of bad qualities. And then Jesus, he they encounter Jesus, and he, you know, turns them around, and now yeah. they're warriors for him.
1: And, and just look at uh, this, earlier in the week, we celebrated the, um, the conversion of St. Paul. Talk yeah, about exactly. a man with a lot of natural gifts. Yeah. And uh, God chose him, right? And Jesus— you know, knock them down. And, and still know, use those why gifts. Why are you persecuting mm-hmm. me? Yeah, and yeah. then he used those for his kingdom. And even Ananias, when, you know, when our Lord said, All right, you need to go lay your hands on him. Said, oh, don't you know who this guy is? I chose him. I chose him. Yeah. Right? So, you know, a couple of things. Are we, you know, I think, Tom, you and I were at the same mass mm-hmm. uh, earlier yeah. in the week. And, and the priest said, you know, how welcoming are we to people who are, you know, on the other side? all-star mm-hmm. sinners or all-star persecutors of the faith and they have their moment and they come yeah. back you know, are we welcoming to them so i think right. that's that's a challenge right that any god can yeah transform anyone yeah. and
2: even in some cases can we be an occasion for that moment with people because we're because we're welcoming to them because we're mm-hmm. open to them you know it it's one thing when you know when jesus knocks you off the horse um but it's another thing when you meet somebody in a in a bar or in an inn or you know some place like that and you become a reason for you sort of knock them off their horse or you present um, a person that they can't deal with or don't understand or it kind of knocks them off their horse, so to speak you know because I, I often think that's if we're being Christ to other people when we walk in the room, we should make a difference mm-hmm. like Christ makes a difference when we and I'm not saying, you know, I mean, I'm I'm not Christ. That's the problem is, but I'm that's what I have to work on. But short of walking in the room and having the impact that Jesus has, you know, that's I still got work to do, you know. So, mm-hmm.
1: and we're called to to be his his love, his light, his joy, his peace, his mercy, right? His mercy um in in every walk. So, wherever we are, uh, like you're saying, Tom, it's uh yeah, you know, people are are hungry. They're hungry and thirsty for God. They just don't mm-hmm. know it, right? Yeah. We all are, right? Because yeah. God designed us that way. And if they can get a taste, right, they can get a taste. It's a, it's like a pool. Right? When you have a, a a half filled up pool and the cover's not on it after the winter, it's disgusting, right? So you can either empty it all out and start over, or you just keep putting clean water in. And the more clean water you put in, eventually it's gonna get Fil- the get the up. junk out, right? Get yeah. the sludge out. Filter. Right. Out. So can we be that? that clean, pure love of God so that no matter where we go, people taste that, right? They they feed on that. Mm -hmm. They feel satisfied. And then they say their own yes. God bless you all. Have
0: a great rest of your day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups. Or call us at 717-367-0100.